This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Bless you. It's good to praise the Lord with you. Good thing to honor the Lord with the first fruits of your week. So I welcome all of you here. If you need a Bible, get your hand up. And as a guest, we really welcome you. Glad you're here today. Again, if you need a Bible, keep your hand up and Oh, man, I'm just going to warn you, we're going to give you large doses of the Word of God today. And some of you say, well, what's new? Uh, you may need to listen to this on the podcast because there's a bunch. It's pretty wordy in here. Once you got a Bible, go to the book of Romans chapter 8, and we're going to spend a lot of our morning in Romans 8. But if you're turning there, get there, and then let me just brief you kind of where we're headed today. You know, in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, starting in the verse 9, The Lord Jesus said, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so again, he's revealing to me real quick. The way we pray, we begin to enter with worship. Father God, I honor you. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is why Jesus said, pray that. Pray that the will of the Father for your life, for your home, your family comes to earth. And then he said, and forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. So he's informing me that part of the way the kingdom of God comes here on the earth is the way I repent and the way I forgive. And so he's saying, take ownership in your life. And then he said, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. And so he's letting me know that there is an evil one on this earth called the devil. He's just not a figure of imagination. He's real. And then he said, let your kingdom be forever. And so part of this to have the will of God to come in my life is when I begin to pray and I ask God to cause his purposes and his plans to come into my life. The Lord's prayer is to legally give him permission to move in my life and yours. And so when you begin to pray that, look at all that Jesus said. And that wasn't just a format. Follow this. Step A, step B, step C. He's literally saying, pray this from your heart. Now, turn with me to book of Romans 8. We begin this morning in verse 12. Therefore, brethren, fellow believers... We are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. So immediately he tells me you there's no obligation that we have to live by our flesh. That my flesh is going to dominate me. See, he tells us we don't have to. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body... You will live. Now, he lays out two directions for every one of us. And he said, you can live by your flesh or you can live by the Spirit of God. And he tells me the consequences of my choice. That if I live by the flesh, I'm going to live a death-like existence. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of me and live through me, it will be life. And so it's important that we see here, he reminds us, it's by the Spirit of God. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you. Verse 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so he's given us encouragement here that to be a son of God, it means to allow the Holy Spirit to progressively begin to put to death the deeds of your flesh. That the Holy Spirit will help you. Now, we don't have to show of hands in this because every one of us, at one time or another in our lives, we've been dominated by our flesh, but he's given me insight. The Holy Spirit will help you. He'll lead you and guide you. Verse 16 or 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. I didn't save you to stay in bondage, to fear, but you received the spirit of my adoption of whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So we were adopted into the family of God. And so I I lose all my rights to this family, the flesh family, but I gain all the rights that Father God has provided me, and I must begin to see this, that I'm adopted into the, the family of God. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself, He bears witness or joins with our spirits that we are children of God. It's biblical right here for you to begin to say, I'm a child of God. God knows me. I'm a child of God. And He ends this first part here in verse number 17 and He says, If children, then heirs. So if I'm a child of God, I'm an heir. Now let me ask you a question. When you think about the word heir, what do you think about? I got inheritance. I got some privileges. God wants to bless me. And so he goes on to say that we are heirs. We're heirs of God. And we're joint heirs with Christ. And if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So when you look at what he's telling us here, in order for the things of God to come alive in my life, it's going to take joint participation. God will do his part. But me and you got a part. God wants to help us. He wants us to live as children of the Most High. Same chapter, verse number 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now the word he in verse 27 is referenced twice. The he in this verse is the Holy Spirit. And note on there, he didn't say it. He refers to the Holy Spirit as a person, as he. And he says he searches our hearts. And then he uses a word that we've used several times in the last few weeks. He makes intercession for us. The word intercession means he's pleading on behalf of another. So what the Holy Spirit does is he intercedes on behalf of me and you. He pleads our case before the Father. And if you'll notice, he makes intercession for us with what? So that we can be doing according to the will of God. Now, if we were to study this out, in Hebrews 7.25, the Lord Jesus, it says, he lives to make intercession for us. So Jesus is pleading my case. Right here we find out the Holy Spirit is pleading our case. But it's very interesting, and I'm just going to quote this for you. This is Ezekiel 22, verses 29 and 30. 
In verse 29, it defines the people of this earth. They were in bad, bad shape. They were living in sin. Man, it was an ugly time. And in verse 30, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, it said, God looked for a man that would stand in the gap for the nation and for other people. And it said, but he couldn't find one. And so me and you, we've been called to stand in the gap. We've been called to intercede. We've been called to plead on behalf of others. And literally, when we begin to intercede and we pray, we are the match that lights the fuse that gives God legal permission to move here on this earth. So each one of us, we're called to be gappers. We're called to pray. We're called to plead the blood of Jesus on behalf of others. So this is what the Holy Spirit's doing for us. Oh, I thank the Lord that he's interceding on my behalf. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together, joint participation together for good, not for bad, for good to those who love God. So the scripture's telling me here, God wants to work together for our good, but he gives us some qualifications here. And he says, for those who love God. Now, it's very easy for us to say, do you love God? And probably every one of us in here would say, I love God, I love God. But the Lord Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commands. So one of the ways that I'm a lover of Jesus is not just what I say out of my mouth, but to actually obey his commands. Now what he's doing here is he's qualifying us for the things he wants us to do for our lives, in our lives here on earth. And he goes on to say, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The word purpose here means Deliberate plan or intentions. So if you'll notice here, he said, he's called you and he's purposed you. Remember last week in 2 Timothy 1.9, he said, I've saved you and I've called you with a holy calling. So this is what's getting into here, that God has got purpose for every one of us in this room. Now, I'm going to read verse 29 and 30. And then for several, several minutes, we're going to go and break down this passage. Read with me in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, not just one, not just a few, but many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestines, these also he called, and whom he also called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. So we begin to see here, and we look at all this, that these, the Spirit of God is interceding, that the will of God's done in our life. And then he says, you got to learn to obey my commands, because i got some good things, i got some purpose for you. And then he comes in, and he says, now this is how the process of God begins to work. Him he foreknew. Now think about those words. He foreknew before time. Listen what the Amplified says right there on that verse. Of whom he was aware and he loved beforehand. I want you to take back, rewind, rewind, rewind a couple weeks ago. 
In Psalm 139, he said, before you were ever in your mother's womb, I knew you. I wonderfully, fearfully, and skillfully created you. And my thoughts toward you were thoughts of precious. You were precious. And my thoughts were so many, I couldn't even number them. So before time even began, God knew you. He foreknew the very things he wanted to happen within your life. So whom God foreknew, he predestined. Now many times when we hear the word predestined, we have this thought. If God predestined to me for that, then it's just going to automatically happen. That's not true. When we look at this here, the word predestined has nothing to do with us not having a choice or a will. So remember, with every one of us in this room, we all have a choice. We all have a will. And so he said that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus. The word conform means to mold you and shape you. Now, I'm not going to turn there with you. But in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says that we are earthen vessels. We are jars of clay that God wants to work within every one of our lives. Now think about this as clay. He's the potter, we're the clay. So you know what God wants to do for every one of us when he's predestined us? He starts molding you and he starts shaping you. And sometimes when you get real, real ornery, he grabs you by his belt loop and he throws you back in the oven and says, we're going to have to cook on you a little more. We're going to keep having to mold you. But he said, I've predestined you, and I've predestined you to be molded into the image of Christ Jesus. So you know what really he's telling us? He said, I'm molding you to be a type of how Jesus was here on the earth. I want you to be his hands and his feet and his mouth here on the earth. So whom he foreknew, he predestined, and whom he predestined, he called. Now, when we talk about the calling, remember, he saved us, but he didn't just save us. He called us with a holy calling according to his purpose and according to his grace. So when we look at the word calling there, many times this is one of the biggest questions that come up with people. I don't know what I'm called to do. Let me ask you this. What are you good at doing? I mean, I get around people. They're incredible with babies. I mean, you look and you say, She's just a natural mother. Or this guy's incredible with children. I will tell you this right now. You ought to be glad that I'm up here on Sunday mornings instead of watching your babies in the nursery. Okay? Because the minute they had a dirty diaper, I would be phoning you. Again, you begin to see people's passions, their, their desires, and their aspirations. But again... All the things that God does in his calling is that his will be done in your life and my life right here on earth. So you're not just a housewife. You're a wife that's putting kingdom influence in your children. You're just not a plumber. You're just not a teacher. You're just not a police officer. You're just not whatever. You have kingdom things in your life that God wants to use you specifically right there where you're at. Now, let me throw this little sidetrack in here for you real quick. This doesn't mean 
the things you want to do and the things you can actually do, okay? There's a huge difference between what you want to do and what you can actually do, okay? Ooh, I've always been wanted to be a praise and worship leader. Not going to happen. I'm a jailhouse singer. I'm always behind a bar, and I'm always looking for a key. It's best I got last, please. Again, there's a calling for every one of us. So when you look at this, he foreknew me, he predestined me into the image of Jesus, then he called me, and who he calls, he justifies. Now the word justify has legal implications. The word justify here, it literally means that we've been acquitted, we've been made righteous, That because of Jesus, he puts me into right standing. So when we receive Jesus as Lord of my life or Lord of your life, this is all 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 through 21. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Then he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for me and you, that we may become the righteousness of God in Christ. The way I become the righteousness in God of Christ is not because anything I've done. I've been made righteous because of Jesus. So that right there is literally the word for justified. I believe it's very important as a born-again believer. You start speaking those things over yourself. All you're doing is agreeing with the word of God. Woo, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new in me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a brand new creation in him. I'm a partaker of his divine nature. On me, he will not impute sin. And so I just begin to agree with what Father God said. And my justification and your justification has nothing to do with you. It's all about Jesus. Very similar to that last song. I be found in you, Lord. I'm found in you. And so whom he justified, he glorified. Now, when you look at the word glorified there, the Amplified says, it's raising them to a heavenly dignity, a condition or state of being. So when I become glorified, I am actually walking on this earth the calling, the purpose, the design that God wanted me to live on here on earth. And he desires that for every one of us. Now, one of the best illustrations of a person in the Bible that we saw that happen was the man Joseph. At 17, whoo, he found a calling. God said, the day's going to come, you're going to lead. But we begin to follow him, the process of being molded into the image of Jesus, and it was a 13-year process. But all of a sudden, guess what happens? After 13 years, he goes from a prisoner to the prime minister. And when you look at Joseph's life there in the end, he was walking glorified. That he began to look and say, I can't answer this. The only one that can answer this is Jesus. What you're seeing in my life is a result of serving Jesus. It's honoring Jesus. That's what he wants to do for every one of us. Now, just briefly here this morning, 
Go to the book of Zechariah, chapter 3. Now, we're going to go backwards. We're going to go to Luke, to Mark, to Matthew, to Malachi, and then you're going to go to Zechariah. It's the second last book of the Old Testament. Now, as we turn here, remember, for the things of the kingdom of God to come alive in your life and my life, it takes joint participation. I got to do my part. God's going to do his part, but I got to do my part. We begin in Zechariah 3, verse 1. Then he showed me, this is Zechariah talking. He said, then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. To me, this is, this is a heavenly courtroom. This is a heavenly council here. And the devil there is speaking to God as an accuser. Now, I want you to listen real close to some of the different definitions of this. The message says, where the accuser showed up to accuse him. The Amplified says, to be his adversary and to accuse him. The New Living says, to make accusations. So when we study this, if we go back to all the weeks we did, Revelations 12, verse 10, it says, the accuser of the brethren, the one who opposes us in a court of law, goes before Father God day and night, and he accuses us. The word accuses means that he is trying to withtain or withhold the things that God desires for our life. So in this passage... This is exactly what he's doing to this man named Joshua. He's accusing him before Father God. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord denounce you, Satan. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with this man. I've jumped way down there. And the Lord said to the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now, when you begin to look at this, the Lord stands up against the devil here, his accusations. And what God ultimately does here is he steps in and he says, you know what? I choose to save people here on the earth, even though they've sinned. How does that take place? God tells every one of us here, and this is my responsibility. If you'll confess your sins before me, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. And so God steps in right here on behalf of Joshua. Again, forgiveness is not earned, it's received. Verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. And what I want you to see here, the devil's accusations against Joshua were based on his filthy clothing. You know what his filthy clothing was? Sin. Because Joshua had sin in his life, he gave the devil legal access to accuse him. And so when you see the word right there, the, the filthy garments that he's talking about, the devil tries to shame us and make us feel dirty. But thank the Lord that he builds in repentance in here for every one of us. And so when you begin to see what he's doing here, 
He's bringing these accusations against Joshua because he's trying to stop what God wants to do through Joshua right here on the earth. So this is what he does to me and you too, exactly. He goes before God and he accuses us. And he says, look, they've got sin in their life. Verse 4. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, see... I have removed your iniquity or your sins from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. If we were to look where he says, and I've clothed you with rich robes, it goes to the book of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10. You know what Isaiah 61 10 says? I've clothed you with the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness means, again, I've been justified. So when you come under the kingdom of God and you repent of your sins and you begin to live under the blood of Jesus, he puts a robe on you. You need to begin to see yourself that I have the robe of righteousness on me because of Jesus Christ. And that's what he said here. I'm putting a new robe on you. And many people say, well, I've done this wrong in life and I've done that. Who hasn't? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm not preaching being perfect. But when I do make a mistake, I live for God. Keep five, or verse five. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they put on clothes on him and the angel of the Lord stood by him. Then the angel admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord my host, if you will walk or follow in my ways and if you will keep my command, Now listen real close to this. Then you also, then you shall also judge my house. That's interesting. He's qualifying us here. And what did he just say? If you will walk in my ways. If you will live by my word and you'll obey my commands. Then I will allow you to judge or administer in my courts. So when we look at what is sold right here, to live for the kingdom of God and to walk for God and to obey his commandments, it's not just a little thing, it's huge. It's very important that we see this here because he's telling us, and if you note on there, he said, if, if you do this, then you'll judge in my courts. In other words, you're going to have some jurisdiction here on earth. Look at the last part of this verse. And likewise, you will have charge of my courts. Plural. You know what this shows me? There's different courts in heaven. And he said, you're going to have charge in them. I'm going to put you in charge in them. Where you begin To use the things of Jesus Christ right here on earth. And this is the upcoming weeks that we'll begin to see. According to Matthew 16, he said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. And so this is a promise from God. And he ends this in verse number 7. And he says, I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Now, if we go back to verse 1. Who was standing there in the council of God or the courts of heaven? The angels 
the devil. I believe Zechariah was seeing it. But if you note here, he said, you'll stand right there with them. I'm going to move you right into the courtrooms of God. And you will begin to plead for the things of this earth and the people of this earth. So we go back several weeks. This is the fourth week of this. Remember, we're called to stand in the gap. We're called to make a difference. You can go into the courtrooms of heaven on your behalf. You can go in the courtrooms of heaven for your children. You can go in the courtrooms of heaven based for your uh, your marriage, for family members, even a church, even a nation that he said, I'm going to allow you in the courts of heaven. I got one more verse I want you to see. Go back to Romans chapter 5. Ooh, I love that page. Man, I thought some of you would really get excited that he would give you authority in the courts of heaven. He would say, this, this is what I've done. And if, if you've noticed throughout history, God has always used people on this earth. He used the Peters. He used the Pauls. He used the Ruths. He used the James. And he'll use you. Now, watch this here in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than, not just a little bit, but much more than having now, highlight the word now, okay? Having now been justified by His blood. Not when we get to heaven, right now. I've been justified by the blood of Jesus. Now, if we go back and we look over the last several weeks, one of the first things we find out that the only thing that washes my sin is the blood of Jesus. That's Revelations 1.5. The blood of Jesus is the great stain stick to sin. So if I, I confess my sin before Father God, and I say, Father God, wash me, wash me, wash me in the blood. And not only does Jesus want to wash away your, your sin, He wants to take away the guilt and the shame of sin. How many have ever felt guilty, dirty because of sin? Probably every one of us. This is what Jesus, he said, man, I want to wash you. That invitation is still good today. The second thing that I find out is he said in Revelations 12, 11, he said, you overcome by the blood of the lamb. Have you ever struggled in an area of your life? Maybe you're struggling right now. What would happen if I got up every morning and I begin to say, I thank you, Lord Jesus, because your blood has marked me as an overcomer. And you know what I'd say out of my mouth? Whatever their area that is of your life that's dominating you, you say, I thank you, Lord Jesus, because your blood, I'm overcoming. You fill in the blank. Who? Because the blood of Jesus. I'm an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. You're an overcomer by the blood of Jesus. The third thing we found out was Hebrews uh, 10, 19. He said that you may come boldly into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. The Holy of Holies is where God hangs out. That's the throne room of grace and mercy where I can come in by the blood of Jesus. I don't have to have the priest to do it for me. I can come right in because I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. But this last one is a new one here. He said in Romans 5, 9, he said, Now I've justified you by the blood of Jesus. Remember, the word justified means he's made us right or he set us right. Now, I'm going to give you my paraphrased edition of justified, and this will really help you, okay? 
because it's really basic. Justified to me is this. Just if I'd never sinned. I've been just a fight as if I've never sinned. That's exactly what the blood of Jesus does for us. So what would happen if I begin to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, I've justified like I've never sinned. I am the righteousness because of you. See, my whole life, it starts out with the blood of Jesus. That's the way I get rid of sin. But I live under the blood day by day by day by day by day. And it grants me access into the Holy of Holies. So guess what? You can come into the courtrooms of heaven. You keep your heart right. And you get over and sin, repent of it. Don't, don't blow sin off, okay? Don't act like sin's not a big deal. It's a big deal to Father God. And I begin to say, Father God, grace me in that area. I'm at a place in my life, I, I don't want to sin. I don't want to do those things. But you know, periodically, I got this thing called a flesh and it acts up. And guess what I do? I come in and I repent and say, Father God, forgive me of that. Help me. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.